check that shit out we've got intro music that was grand caravan by the grudge um if you want to go and check them out across social media platforms at the grudge uk uh featuring kieran aston who was on the show last week um good british band i keep harping on about it go and support british metal and go and see them at the dev in london in camden on friday the 13th um so welcome back it's week five of in the abyss metal podcast me joey Trigenza, and of course with anthony and with padre um tonight we'll be doing the usual things talking about this week in metal what we've been listening to uh and this week's feature is all about swedish metal and why it's so fucking awesome um if you want to get in touch with us we're on instagram at merch in the abyss or at joey Trigenza, um and you can also find anthony on twitter and on instagram at ant underscore dan padre has also joined the instagram revolution uh, you'll find him on there as padre in the abyss um, and while you're at it go and check out our web store um, for metal merch in the abyss.co.uk um, before we crack on i just want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening um, we appear to have listeners in eight different countries across the planet now so amazing that it's got that far um, we only hope to grow and grow and and get better and better if anybody's got anything they want us to talk about or they want to come on the show and have a dig at padre you're more than welcome just get in touch via all the social media platforms um yeah let's stop it there and let's let's get on with the show good evening gentlemen and how are we evening yeah is that, is that a better good welcome stuff. for you is, is that preferable to yes calling you a pair of see you next tuesday no um <laughs> The, uh, the mosquitoes have returned this week, so... Uh, is that because spring is coming and it's getting warmer? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just feasting on flesh. Not, not me at the moment, the wife, but anyway, <laughs> getting woken up at night with expletives being yelled at the window. Well, leave her alone, then. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take a brave mosquito to feast on you, though, so... Yeah, well, I've got one of those. Have you ever seen those tennis rackets with the... Uh, they're electric, and you push a button, it's got a battery in it. And yeah. It, it, it electrifies... Yeah, oh, they're fun, because you can start cooking them on it. So, that, you know, especially the ones that have bitten you. You're like, fry, ride the lightning! <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, all right, let's, let's just crack straight on, then, because we want to get through it. Um, this is rapidly becoming my favourite part of the whole podcast padre what have you been listening to this week okay right so <laughs> um a, 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 sh- a smorgasbord of uh um stuff so uh um power trip okay um right so crucifixion that middle riff <laughs> dear god um what's well, swing of the axe the uh executioner's tax yeah awesome yeah what so there's that riff about a third of the way through and it reminds me of the conjuring by megadeth yeah it's so it's it's so tight i know exactly what it's you got mean. That, it's got that crunch and it's and the only disappointing thing is that it's only on there for like 30 seconds you're like no i want to I, I want that riff repeated that's that's like you know in the zone um what else sleeping eye of the watcher I had a, fe- um, I had a feeling you'd like Power Chip. I thought it would be up your street. So. Yeah, I know. They're really good. Uh, Toledo Steel. Really? Yeah. Um, not, I'm not going to uh, express an opinion of them at the moment, but I, what I've listened to has been quite cool, um, but not not a lot. I, I need to sit down and like listen to some of these albums all the way through. Yeah. 
Um, what was the other one? I, I, I mean, I listened to this ages ago, but I, I, I listened to it again the other day. So you know that song by um, uh, Jefferson Airplane, um, White White Rabbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do, do you ever did you ever hear of a band, uh, like a really corny thrash band called Sanctuary? Yeah, yeah. They did a cover of it back in the day, and it's just, it's really it's actually not bad because it's it's um. I think that song lends itself to a, a, a chunky riff. That's Sanctuary um, Warrell Dane's band who went on into Nevermore, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. Minute, yeah. Um, oh, oh, Hyperia, oh, that's... Schizophrenia, Toledo Steel, a couple of other bands as well. Uh, Nocturnal Graves, Needless, Destruction, Diablo, Chemical Side, Chemicide, sorry, um, and um, Electric Warfare, Death Hammer. You've been busy. <laughs> Stuff that just uh, popped up on. Uh, Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> popped up on uh, Spotify, really, and also. But I found this really cool thing. So apparently, there's this thing called Google, and if you type in new bands, <laughs> it comes up with lists, and then it links to Spotify. I was like, where has this been all my life? If there's one thing that this podcast is going to achieve, it's bringing you into the 21st century. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so that's about it. So I haven't listened to like all the uh, albums by these bands, but some of it, like the Hyperia stuff, was okay. Um, I honestly Death say Hammer, I've never heard of them. Who who are they? So oh, Chemistide, they're I think they're an American band. They've got um, uh, songs like called Common Sense, Bard Existence, False Democracy. That's actually a good song. Uh, Death Hammer, um, great. Um, one of their one of my favourite tracks with them, Satan is back. It's great, great, great. Um, That's great yeah, one. Um, yeah, Warrior. Okay, Warriors of Evil, Savage Aggressor. Um, the album's called Electric Warfare, um, and then they've got a song in there called Return to Sodom, and then the the because it's uh, it's only about a six album track, six uh, six title tra- uh, album, and then uh, there's Crushing the Pearly Gates. It's just it's it's interesting stuff. Uh, they've also got an album called Chained to Hell, which I haven't listened to yet. Um, I'm, ju- I'm just looking. So yeah. I'm just looking them up online now. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a listen to that. See, this this is a real. This is a massive step forward. You've just told me. You have just told me about a band that I've never heard of. I know that sounds really arrogant, but coming from you, of all people, this yeah, this yeah. is a big step forward. This is like Man on the Moon stuff. Yeah, no. This is like when you you know you get the one year token for after you've kicked a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go and have a listen to them. I'm just looking at them. I like the artwork. It looks good. So yeah, I, um, I'm interested. They're on Bandcamp. I've never really. I should do because I listen to. I use Bandcamp a lot for the my electronic sort of stuff. But I don't really sort of use it for metal, and they're on there as well. So I need to probably do that actually because Bandcamp's great. I- uh, just a couple of others as well. Not this isn't new stuff. Um, in lieu of because of our conversation of a while back, outside of the podcast, I downloaded um, the Rancid album. How come the Ruby Soho? Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Classic. Me and the wife have been listening to that. Um, she likes her ska punk. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky to be married to a, a woman who's got quite a refined taste in music and knows a lot more about it than I do. So, you know, big shout out to my wife, Natalie. Um, shout, out, also, shout out from all of us because she's taken you, you know, off our hands. So, yeah. And uh, uh, just old school ZZ Top. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been, I've been like this week, I've been like, uh, I've, I've got 
two two of my students now listen to Millen Colin because I, I made them listen to it in class and uh, they're now they're, they're, they, for homework I've actually given them homework <laughs> they're listening to Rancid <laughs> <laughs> you make, you, so, yeah. you're making massive steps forward this, this, I hope it continues yeah um, yeah Ant what about you um, I'm not sure I can follow that up really <laughs> no uh, Jesus <laughs> We're going to feel quite inadequate. Uh, Megadeth uh, and Opeth, all the Fs basically. Um, Opeth with two Fs. Opeth, yeah, uh, yeah, just digging into that. Um, but listening a lot uh, to the new album by Zeal and Ardor. Yeah. Which I'm digging, um, and you're probably not surprised I like actually, really, because it's uh, there's there's a fine line between in, interesting and pretentious when yes. it comes to sort of proggish metal. And I think they, they're just on the right side of that line. Uh, it's not to everyone's taste, but yeah, it's um, it has the more accessible end of black and death metal in terms of chuggy riffs uh, combined with gospel. Um, they're, 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 an interest, they're an interesting oh. band. I mean, I, I listened to the debut and I'm just double checking what that was called. Um, Devil is Fine, was that it, I think? Um, when that first came out, because I saw them being hyped around and that, and it was kind of interesting. I I love the whole, you know, a mix of almost like New Orleans style blues with black metal yeah. and, and stuff like that. It was, yeah, it was interesting. But to be fair, I haven't listened to anything since, so maybe I need to go back and have a bit more yeah. listen. This one's quite accessible. I mean, it's 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 very listenable. It's one of those albums. I think even if you sort of weren't keen, you think I want to give that another go because it's it's. There's something about it that I think pulls you in. I think that's what that's what I like about it, and I think that's kind of what I need. I think with a lot of new artists, it's it's, it's it doesn't sound like anyone else. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah, which is what I sort of like for my metal bands these days. Um, and also Final Light, um, which is the new new side project. So they've only released one single so far, but it's the new side project between uh, the singer from Cult of Luna, okay, uh, and Perturbator. Okay. I'm interested. Uh, I'm listening. Go on. Got together for a remix. Uh, unsurprisingly, I love it. So, um, and it sounds exactly like Cult Luna jamming with Perturbator. Okay, I'm definitely interested. So yeah, eight minutes long. It's it, it's basically Cult Luna with synths, uh, mm. but it's got that sort of like sort of warm, sort of gothy sound that uh, James Kent has been uh, utilising um, recently. In the void. Is that the single? Is that what I'm looking at? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll give that a listen. That sounds, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm all over that. Yeah. Can, can, can I add one more? No, you, have to sit <laughs> you down you've, you've had your moment. No, you need to sit down. You need to sit down for this, okay? This is important. So, um, I found a band called Morgul Blade, <laughs> and as in meanest Morgul in is the world. Is this the Lord of the Rings thing? Uh, no, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a band from Philadelphia. Their debut album is Fell Sorcery Abounds, and it has a picture of what looks like um, kind of a ring wraith on the front. Now, the shocking thing is this album came out less than seven months ago, and the band was only formed in 2019. So now, now I've proven this, can I please just go back to listening to Slayer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like change. <laughs> Please don't make me listen to any more new music. It's 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 a multiple step program, you know. You, you can only go back to Slayer at certain points, and 
And in your in your your course of therapy, you're not quite there yet. You still need to keep moving forward before you can take any steps backwards. Is this like when you come out of therapy that you advise not to get into into a, a romantic relationship for at least a year afterwards? Basically, yeah. And Slayer are your romantic relationship. So oh, it's like that. Really, have you ever seen that awful, awful film with um, what's her face, Sandra Bullock, but she has to go into therapy? I doesn't have a oh, no, just just don't like. Uh, it was one of those. I think I watched it on a plane, and it was a captive audience. I was on an eighteen-hour flight back to Canada from Southeast Asia, and I was like, "Oh well, whatever, put this on." And I, I, blood was coming out of my eyes by the end of it. I was like, "No!" You loved it. Was Hugh Grant in it? No, it was. Um, you know the guy that plays uh, McNulty in The Wire. Um, no, the British actor, but he was he's the detective in The Wire. Um, oh, Gordon it with. Yeah, that's it. He, he's like the boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yes. I have no idea what film. Oh, you, you, you keep your, your fucking romantic dramas to it's yourself. It's like 24 days or something or whatever. Um, me this week, uh, the new Audrey Horn, which was quite entertaining. Considering they're an offshoot of Norwegian black metal bands, um, it's, it's quite a good classic rock. I mean, they've been around for a while now, but they're always, uh, always good fun. The new Cancer Bats, which is... As you'd expect from Cancer Bats, uh, Padre, that probably means nothing to you, but um, it's good. It's just a bit more polished than Cancer Bats normally are, but it's still quite enjoyable. And um, Mark Morton from Lamb of God, I didn't realise he had a solo album, which I sort of stumbled across this week, and, and that's quite enjoyable. It's a bit more, it's a bit more rock than it is metal with various different guest vocalists, but it's really enjoyable. So I reckon give it a listen, Padre. I think you'd like it. There's some quite uh, decent guitar stuff and that on it so it's worth a listen but um and i'm still listening to svalbard I, i've gone back through the earlier couple of albums and i'm just fucking loving them absolutely loving them i i don't have to listen to new music ever again yes you do yeah your favorite band may may not have formed yet oh what a what a statement nah nah <laughs> i i mean i mate, yeah you, you're right i mean that's that's slightly you know prophetic but at the same time, why I think your favourite bands are formed when you're younger. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's unlikely. It's a, yeah, in terms of impact and stuff. The same reason I think your favourite bands before your lifetime don't really don't really exist. It's a, you might you might like stuff from before your lifetime, but it's it's all about you know what's going on at, at the time when you're going through the the growth. There's always going to be great new stuff coming out. It's uh, and it was a shame to ignore it. Um, yeah, and we'll get onto that later on when we talk about Sweden because. You know, they, they just keep churning out. Um, all right, so we've got two choices next. We can either talk about uh, this week's sort of metal news or we can talk about politicians wanking to porn in the House of Commons. Which, which would you rather? Oh, sorry, I, I, I heard something about this, but I haven't read it. What's happened? Oh, that's what have they done now? What have they it's done now? He was looking at porn on his phone in the House of Commons. Well, actually, like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with them? All right, let's let's not talk about it. let's 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 do uh, let's do metal news. Um, the slim pickings that is metal news at the moment. Um, go through it quickly. Alter Bridge have announced a, a European tour, including Europe, with Hailstorm mm-hmm. and Wolfgang Van Halen. The support. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Alter Bridge. I like Hailstorm, but that's that's a decent tour package. To be fair, um, so Wolfgang Van Halen and Hailstorm. Right. So um, yeah, that's 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 quite decent playing UK arenas. So dates are all online. Um, Cradle of Filth and Allcest UK tour in October as well, uh, with a special Halloween show 
finishing the tour at um, the O2 at Indigo, the smaller venue in the O2. If you ask me, Cradle in Filth should be renamed Wallow in Filth. I mean, I've never seen the appeal of that band. You know what? I, me neither. But the last the last album that was out last year was was actually decent. I enjoyed it. Genuinely enjoyed it. Um, the last couple of albums I quite liked, to be fair. And I think they've they've moved on from being as silly as we kind of thought they used to be. You know, they yeah, you know. Yeah. There's a bit more melody to them, and there's a bit more structure to the songs, and and they are quite enjoyable. No matter how ridiculous Danny Filth is, there's a picture on the Kerrang website this week. Go and have a look at it on the Kerrang news page. The picture that accompanies the uh, the story of this tour is just something else. So anyone listening, go to Kerrang.com, the news page, and the story about this Cradle of Filth UK tour and that picture of Danny Filth. It's something else and it's quite wrong oh is, is, it, is, it, is it what i'm thinking of no it's just a picture of him but it's um it's it's yeah it's it's, it's slightly worrying it's it's a it's a little bit zoolander it's a little bit i don't know it just oh, makes me God. uncomfortable so um damn it it's hansel it's so hot right now <laughs> <laughs> um moving on from cradle of filth um Architects have, have dropped a new song this week, When We Were Young. Padre, I don't expect you to be into that. It's definitely not on your street. And have you listened to it? You don't even know what street I live on anymore. I don't want to go down that street. It's a dark place, and I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's Architects, isn't it? So, I mean, it's, it's frustrating, because they're one of those bands who, because I, I didn't engage with them when they first started during those earlier albums, for whatever reason, I've kind of remained fairly disengaged with them since. Um, whereas you know they're they're going great guns, aren't they? Really? So yeah, they are. Probably... The tour they're just about to go out on is is arenas. Yeah, give them give them another go. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it's, yeah, solid enough off, enough stuff. All I can tell. They've come there. You're right. They've come a long way from the early days of sounding like a bit sort of Dillinger Escape Plan type thing to what they are now. That you know they're a really polished band and. As far as I'm aware, I think they're they're supposed to be amazing live. I've never seen them, but I've really enjoyed. I I, I enjoy everything they do. To be fair, Where, you know they're a lot. They, you know what? They remind me of a, like a heavier version, not musically, but you know, sort of principally of Biffy Clyro. It's the same sort of thing that they've gone from being. <laughs> Shut up, Padre. They've gone from being you know crazy and out there to honing the sound, and it's more accessible. And they've they've grown and grown from it, and. I think they've they've done really well, but yeah, you know the arena tour in May. Malevolence are supporting as well, which is huge for them because them playing arena shows is is a big deal. And and they've dropped a new song this week as well called Still Waters Run Deep, which is definitely worth a listen. I think that album's going to be going to be a bit of a killer. Yeah, so, can I just can I just ask one thing? Talking about streets that people live on, right? What if? you were to name streets after anything to do with metal well there's a black there's live? a black sabbath bridge yeah but like i'm like thinking like you know um where do you live or well, number 26 flash park place <laughs> bay I'd, area I'd drive there. bay area drive yeah uh, 22 acacia 22 avenue. acacia avenue yeah yeah number yeah yeah For, <laughs> which gates cemetery gates <laughs> 14 south of heaven 
one quick thing I want to talk about this week as well. Um, not the fact that Ozzy has COVID, which is a shame, obviously, and hope he gets well soon. Um, I'm sure his puppet master will sort him out. Um, Jason Neustad's done an article this week with Louder Sound um, talking about the Black Album and things like that and talking about how he felt like he thought Enter Sandman was corny at the time and how he was scared of recording Nothing Else Matters because it was so delicate. Um, <laughs> what do you two reckon? I think I think anyone who either leaves that band or is kicked out of that band seems to get a chip on the shoulder. It would be like maybe walking away from a top flight very successful football team and then regretting it um, because you couldn't reconcile your differences. I mean, I've seen there's a very good one hour in-depth interview with him that's on YouTube. I can't remember who did it, but he's talking about a lot of the stuff that was brought up on St. Anger and how he felt that the Phil Towel, the, the, the therapist coming in was a completely lame move and um, things like that and how Hetfield kind of having to grip things so tight that he almost smothered them is one of the reasons why he left the band. But at the same time, I mean, he didn't originally, when he came into the band, he didn't have the best of times because he was being hazed because they didn't know how to deal with their guilt, um, their guilt and their um, uh, grief over Cliff Burton's passing. But he was always, he was always in a tricky position, but I don't really think that you can turn around and start saying enter Sandman is corny. Um, I mean, it sounds like he's, he's maybe bitter, about what happened to him on the Justice for All album, that, you know, maybe his, his contributions should have been more um, visible. And then he was always playing catch-up. Um, I mean, it's, you walk into that band, how do you turn around to someone like James Hetfield or Lars York and go, I don't like what you've written, I think we should do it this way. When you're younger than them, you're less experienced than them. And it's, it's, it's James Hetfield. Oh, James, I don't like your riffs. It's like screw you! I wrote Master of Puppets. It's like you know, it's it's it's, it's an un, an enviable position. I mean, what do, what you know? It's like going to Manchester United and going, yeah, Alex Ferguson, yeah, yeah. I think you should do it this way, mate. You'd be more successful. Yeah. What are yeah. you supposed to say? Um, so he's probably bitter about it, and you know, I can see where he's coming from in terms of that. But I don't I don't think Enter Sandman's corny. No, I mean, I can see how he may have felt a little bit funny about it because obviously Jason Lucy came from Flotsam and Jetsam who were just a, a type of Route 1 thrash band and he's gone to Metallica and yeah the whole Justice thing and then they're doing ballads and commercial commercial metal songs like Enter Sandman and Wherever My Rome and stuff like that I, I can kind of see where he why he would have felt that way but you're right it's that bitterness it's the bitterness that Dave Mustaine still carries and even after all these years Jason Lucy is still giving interviews and still talking about things like this and how he almost still having a bit of a dig that was that was 22 was it 22 years ago he left was it 20 2002 he left it's about that isn't it yeah oh, 20 years ago man most like but yeah no it's i mean he could have he, he wanted to, to do the echo brain thing and he wanted to do the side projects and i remember him saying in, in the interview that i saw on youtube um He's like, he doesn't have kids, or he didn't have kids back then, so like his music was his thing, and he wanted to do all these different things, and Hetfield going into rehab, and Hammett going off and doing his own thing for a while. He didn't have anything going on, so he wanted to do side projects. You know, fair enough. Um, and like, how could any of that have affected Metallica? Because Metallica was so much bigger. Yeah. Um, but again, again, it's like, 
to some extent you do have to make sacrifices sometimes because one of the reasons why bands like Metallica have lasted for so long is that they're professional. It's a job. Yes, they get to do what they like. Iron Maiden are professionals. They, they make albums, they tour, they turn up on time. They, they aren't wasted on stage. You know, they deliver to their fans. So like I maybe was why wasn't that enough? Yeah, yeah, you're right. When you think about it now, I mean, we, we, we're going on a little bit, but, um, Rob Trujillo has now been in Metallica longer than Jason Newstead was. Mm. And it's like, it's like take Sepultura is the same thing. Um, Derek Green's been in Sepultura longer than Max Cavalera was. So yeah. it's, it's, it's an evolution, isn't it? These bands move on. They're just members at the end of the day and, and they move on. And, and Metallica seem, you know, Rob Trujillo fits in the same way that Jason Newstead did. And they seem to have given him more respect than they ever did to Jason Newstead. So I can kind of see why he may still have a chip mm. on his shoulder about it. I think there's there's an element. Maybe Jason has not articulated himself very well. Maybe he's not really saying what he wants to say. Um, Possibly, yeah. You've got to, you've got to, the circumstances in which he joined, the tragic circumstances, and you know that, you know they were absolutely, you know, heart, heartbroken in every single way, and and. They, they they were more than just a band at the time. They were they were a, a tight knit family. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. They, they wanted to continue. They 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 had to continue. They were that good, um, and they could only do that by bringing someone new in. And I think, I think I think there's there is this element where he was probably conscious that you know I'm not Cliff, um, and they don't see me like they see they they saw Cliff, which which is understandable as well. And and I think I think there was that's why he sort of became a whipping boy. It, it wasn't just like oh you're the new guy we're going to give you crap. It's I think there was an element as like we maybe we we don't want you here potentially. We, we'd rather have it happen. I don't think it was personally about I Jason Newstead though. Wanted they didn't want anybody else. They wanted Cliff back. Yeah. It didn't matter who I think came it's in. But the, the problem is that they. I mean, it, it, you would say to someone, wouldn't you? Uh, it, do you take like the kind of Megadeth approach where he has hired guns, right? for like an album or two and then for some reason they leave and someone else comes back in um when they when they when Newstead joined if you'd had if they'd had maybe more maturity and more experience they might have said look you're coming in but you're a bass player only you're going to get well paid we're going to take good care of you but we write the music yeah we control the band you're going to get this is how much say you get but or you know, did he come in thinking, right, I'm going to be, I've got big shoes to fill, but I'm going to have like songwriting credits and I'm going to be able to do, be creative. I don't think they, they weren't in, they weren't in a space on the, on the Justice album to have that. The Black album, we're still only talking four or five years after, after Cliff's passing. Yeah. By the time they get to load and reload, what the stuff he's contributing, I'm sorry, is pants. Um, that entire those that entire period of that band's history are just like you know what you 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 had the freedom and the success in order to go off and do exactly what it is that you know and be artsy and be experimental, but it just didn't work for you. And then when you tried to come back to it, by then you'd burnt yourselves out, and St. Anger was even worse than Load and Reload. So well, let's let's not let's not go down the rabbit hole of Load, Reload, and St. Anger and that because. We always seem to come back to Metallica, so let's yeah, let's let's mm. let's move it on. It just hurts so much. <laughs> Let it go, man. Let it go. 
can. <laughs> there should be a rehab for this kind of thing. And you, you'll come out appreciating bands like Biffy Clyro instead of just raging oh, about I'm sorry, the track. name is just, it's, it's lame. <laughs> it's just. All right, let's, let's, let's move on to, to sort of what we want to talk about this week. So, Swedish metal. Um, basically, it's, it's, a, it's a, a behemoth in itself, really. We want to talk about what makes it so good, um, where, it, where it started, how it grew, where it is now, where it's going in the future. Why is it as good as it is? What is it about Sweden that, that, that drives these bands? I mean, we go back many years and yet it's still going now. So you could say it all started with Bathory's debut album in 1984, albeit they wouldn't really fit with the rest. Um, many believe that the Swedish melodic death metal, as it's called, the Gothenburg metal, started with bands like Carnage, which was Michael Amott's first band, Morbid, which was um, LG Petrov from Entombed, uh, and Dead, who went on to be in Mayhem and didn't have a great ending. Uh, and a band called Nihilist, who ended up just basically becoming entombed. Um, and Dark Tranquility as well came along in 1991. So there's there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, uh, where should you we start? Bathory. Yeah, I was just talking about Bathory and the fact, you know, they, they released their first album in 1984, which is, you know, years ahead of of the, the sort of Swedish metal movement of the 90s. Um, and when you think about it, they were around at the same time Europe were releasing their debut album. So you could you could say the heavy metal influence came from Bathory and the melody influence came from Europe. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you two. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> I, think it, I mean, that's it. It's, I mean, even at that point in time, there was very little going on in Scandinavia, Sweden wherever in, in, in terms of in, in terms of metal and you know I sort of read that oh, you know ABBA, ABBA were huge uh, and after ABBA the, the next time that you know a Swedish artist had a worldwide hit that was huge was Europe yeah um, so you can say that you know outside of <clears throat> outside of ABBA what was actually going with going on with Swedish music very very little certainly we know about um i mean I, I can't think of any punk bands that got involved in all that stuff and any, any kind of you know, disco dance it's it's abba and then it, it jumps forwards and, and like you say you've got you've got bathory in europe um of course there would have been artists that were probably loved loved it in sweden only um yeah it's, it's the export but, aspect yeah. isn't it the, the bands yeah. that sort of that got around the world and you, you talk about ABBA there that that pop sensibility from ABBA that must have been an influence on the likes of Europe which there's obviously then moved forward from there yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about rest rest of Scandinavia I mean you know you had AHA um, um, if, you know from Norway but the, the the metal stuff that was going on that was still very you know that was early days and you know they were being influenced by venom and whatnot uh yeah the the, the new the, the whole new wave of british heavy metal has obviously got a lot to answer for as well isn't it well, dark phone was early 90s as well wasn't it yeah late 80s early 90s yeah 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 so 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's. Try, I've been trying to trying to pigeon why how it developed as it did seems is quite a challenge actually. I mean, maybe maybe Padre's got a got an idea, but well, before Padre goes on, I want to drop Carcass into the conversation because, albeit you know a Scouse death metal band, obviously Michael Amott was in Carcass. Heartwork in 1993, for me, is a, is a massive precursor on the whole Swedish melodic death metal movement because certainly like the early Inflame stuff and Dark Tranquility and early Arch Enemy, there was a huge hint of of Carcass in there. And yeah. I, I've been listening to Heartwork today and when Berry Dreams kicks in, the first track on Heartwork, you can just hear the whole sort of Swedish 90s almost in that first 20, 30 seconds, you know? Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, listening to Symphonies of Sickness and on hard work, it's it's a case of, hang on, what what's happened? You've like two different bands. Changed, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's you, in terms of the death metal aspects, you, 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 could, you could potentially lump Symphonies of Sickness and, and that earlier stuff in with the, with the Florida stuff, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got far more in common with that spiritually. And then yeah, you got this new thing about hard work, and that's that's kicked off to a certain extent the you know the Swedish metal sound that we uh, that we we're familiar with. Yes, yeah, it is is it's absolutely a key album in that regard. Um, and we talk about nineties metal a lot in, in in Britain and and America. It's you know and how it, it, it was a dearth. You had all the alternative rock, all the industrial, the pop punk, all all the other things going on, but. As Padre said a couple of weeks ago, what what do we have in the nineties? We had Pantera and you know Machine Head, White Zombie. It's it's yeah, and there's this scene growing in Sweden that at the time yeah. most of us yeah. would never have have known about it. And obviously, the when the internet starts to become more prevalent in the late nineties, that's kind of when it starts to yeah. get around the rest of the world. Um, but you can you can you say that you can you can look at hard work as being key because of the because of the Amot Amot. Um, inclusion and the sound but you can look at things like um albums like draconian times by paradise lost yeah um yeah. absolutely huge album in 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 that regard um that was 1995 wasn't it yeah um and you can absolutely pin, pinpoint that going forward towards bands like catatonia and, and whatnot and I think maybe maybe the other Scandinavian stuff, stuff like you know Nightwish and Within Temptation, potentially the whole you know symphonic goth metal. But um, well, even Dark Tranquility, they've got a, a they've got yeah. a gothic edge to them, without a doubt. But it's, it's it's interesting to see that connection with some of the with British artists and how and how they influence Scandinavia. And also, if I'd sort of double back to the sort of pop connection, Aha, Norwegian, they didn't even get anywhere until they relocated to britain yeah um they they had to do that in order to get somewhere um so there, there's it, it's interesting sort of seeing this this connection with british british pop and rock music and scandinavia because i think i think there's a very uh, there's a symbiosis there yeah 100 percent. and you're right uh i mean I think what, sorry padre go on what what you i think what anthony's alluding to is what I think you can characterize as uh, cross fertilization. So it's <laughs> scenes, it's it's various scenes influencing, or styles or genres influencing various places, and that kind of fertilization process takes a while for things to start springing up and to take root. 
And um, he's got, I think he's got a very good point about AHA not becoming very popular or breaking until they came to England. I think the best, or to, sorry, the UK, the best, I think the best way to look at it is the UK, geographically, culturally, geopolitically, is in a very good position mm-hmm. as the kind of entryway for anything American into Europe and vice versa. And we are, you can also think about it from a linguistic point of view, that why aren't there more Italian, French and Spanish and Portuguese death metal, extreme metal, flash metal, or bands in general? I think it's something to do with the fact that, generally speaking, English proficiency in Scandinavia and Northern Europe is much, much higher. Yeah, it's taught, it's got, it's taught in schools oh, yeah. from about seven years old. Teaching it in schools is not enough because it's taught in schools in places like Spain and Italy. And if it was done correctly, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. It's, it's very much, it's not a communicative uh, skill. It's almost like it's, an, it's a subject to be studied. So the way language is taught here is very much the way you would, you know, Latin used to be taught. It's what's through a process for what's known as grammar translation. It's listen and repeat. Whereas when I teach, I'm I'm using something called the communicative approach, or task-based methodology, student-centered. Okay, which which makes students more able to use it uh, creatively. And if you've got a culture that, firstly, English is a Germanic language. It's not it's not a Latinate language. So you could make the case that it's slightly easier for people from that language family to learn. Secondly, you've got students who are being exposed to the, the language through culture, education, and media from a very early age. And again, having exposure to music, TV, and films that aren't dubbed, that are in, in, in English, that makes it easier for those um, bands to listen, write, and compose music in English. That makes it more accessible straight off the bat if they're going to become big. They don't have to move to England. And I, th- I think there's, there's a case for that. And I'd also say, I think the question we need to think about first is, why Sweden? Why not Germany? Why not Denmark? Why not Holland? What was it about Sweden that allowed all of these bands to spring up? Um, and I think you have to look at the, the, the way this, the, this, the social democracy works in Scandinavia, um, the way Sweden has... Um, a large percentage of students study music at school when there are artistic grants there's a social security network that where people can pursue things and have the security of some form of government grant or subsidy or income while they're pursuing it very much like a lot of the bands that we would cite in the 60s and 70s in the uk or student bands who have had grants and income allowances and things like that, which we don't have anymore, and that can actually stifle creativity. Yeah, so there's, 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 some, there's, there's something in, in Sweden called the Swedish Arts Grants Committee, which um, contributes to um, musical acts of all genres, you know, and nice to see that, that heavy metal is included in that, uh, into sort of cost of rehearsal space and recording demos and, and stuff like that. And I've heard... Um, uh, sort of people like Peter, Peter Ewers from In Flames and now The Halo Effect has talked about that and how without that, without that support from the Swedish government, 
um, in flames may have never got to where they want because that that funded all their early days it funded their first demos and and all that exposure that they they built in the early days was was basically down to the Swedish government they have to pay this money back but it's it gives them that opportunity to to do it in the first place the other thing as well is um, when you look at countries like Sweden and Finland and Norway specifically Sweden and Finland more so Sweden and Finland are only now considering joining NATO. Now, between the 1970s and the 1980s, we're still in the Cold War. Germany's divided. Eastern Europe's in the Soviet sphere. Sweden and Norway are considered neutral. And because of this, they don't have military service um, conscription. And they don't, or they don't have uh, national service. And that allows for these people when they were growing up, they, they, they didn't form bands and then turn 18 or 21 and then like, okay, you've got now got to join the army for two or three years. They were allowed, like, like um, Trigenza said, to take these grants and be left alone to create something. Yeah. Whether or not that was successful, but that security allowed for um, creativity. Now, I've joked in previous episodes about um, art through adversity. Let's say, you know, why don't you move in with a load of strippers? that kind of thing which you know, i think this is the third episode i've mentioned this now but if you don't <laughs> on, on, on the other on the other extreme if you don't have that and you have complete comfort in a in a, in a country with an, a, a certain level of affluence and a social security net and good infrastructure and things like one thing you didn't um, mention subsidized rehearsal areas how many bands struggle because they can't find somewhere to practice? Yeah. It's little things like that. Yeah. And then I think you've also got the infrastructure of the um, area of Gothenburg. You had record labels, and I think it was Peter Tangent from Hypocrisy who was a record label owner, producer. He was in Hypocrisy. He was in, what, uh, he was in certain other bands as well. But he was like a driving force behind the Gothenburg community. Yeah. So when you have someone like that in the community, that's almost a patriarchal figure. It allows for other people who can like learn from their experience, get their guidance and have access to the means to produce, record and distribute these materials. And that goes to creating the scene. And then the scene can be put on a wider scale and it gain credibility. It's the, I think... it's the distribution thing that that's that's the big difference because the, the Swedish Arts Grants Committee talk about distribution of Swedish music and exporting it around the world and that's where this has become successful because that's that's their intent and by exporting it around the world there is that massive potential for revenue. I mean, obviously, a lot of the bands we talk about they're not the Rolling Stones, but they've made a living and they made a living from quite early days in their careers. So that's that's kind of the difference. Whereas a lot of bands are, have released two or three albums before they can genuinely go professional and give up their day jobs and just go out and tour all the time, tour, record, tour, record. In Sweden, these bands seem to be able to do that a lot earlier, which gave them an opportunity to, to, to grow as a band a lot quicker than a lot of other bands may have done. I was about to say something, but I thought I'd read somewhere and I double checked and it, Turns out that's not the case. I've obviously just read something. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, I, I thought I read somewhere that Sweden 
was regarded as what you call a functional society, a society that it's essentially a social democracy that recognises what what is necessary for that society to do well. And you know, high taxes are going to mean you're going to have a solid public in, uh, publicly owned infrastructure. You know, the governments and the civil services ensure that things are done. And yeah, it means they can get involved and fund stuff like this potentially. Um, but it, it means that luxuries are expensive. But that, that's because they're luxuries. So yeah, beer and other things are expensive. But housing is always going to be fine. People are going to have jobs. People are going to have affordable food uh, and whatnot. And and as long as you know you're sorted in that regard, you're going to have a happier society. And potentially that translates into your your creative aspects. But I don't know. It, it turns out as much as that kind of stuff might be true. Apparently, I was reading about architecture. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Sweden is the seventh happiest place uh, on yeah. earth to, to live in. And there's been studies that suggest um, the happier the nation, the darker the music. But we'll come back to that. Let's, let's talk about the bands for a minute. And, and certain... can, I just, can I just round this off with, with some actual yeah, sorry, statistics? So there's, like you mentioned studies, there's a 2001 study by Robert Burnett who argues that Sweden's music in, in, uh, industry is a substantial earner of foreign exchange currency for the Swedish economy. And this makes Sweden, and I quote, one of the largest net exporters of popular music after the US and the UK. And it contributes a, a significant percentage to the GDP of Sweden. That's how successful it is. And that this is actually based on not just the quality and the, and the, and the product, uh, but the productivity. So it's quality connected to uh, high levels of productivity in the music industry, connected to the infrastructure to, to record, make, distribute and support. That, I think, is one of the crucial things. Um, also, you have to look at the fact that music education in Sweden um, is financially supported by the, by the state. And estimates from the 1980s, for example, suggested that up to... Two to two hundred to four hundred thousand young people were either studying music in school or involved in choirs, and they have a system in Sweden of what's called non-state organisations, which support music making through what are known as folk folk high schools or folkskola and the studioförbund, the study circles, which facilitate the study of music. When you have that system in place. I think it's inevitable that you're going to produce something of worth. Yes. And I think that's something that we've moved away from in the UK because I think historically we were too reliant on like hotspots of working class identity producing bands like Black Sabbath and Judas Priest. Like where are the next bands coming from? Yeah. I think that's something, you know, if you don't have the infrastructure to support them and create them, what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, that's, I thought that was quite, Interesting. And also, I think as well, culturally speaking, the um, metal in Sweden is not looked down upon. Um, unlike the UK, extreme metal bands, and again, quoting Roger Burnett's, Robert Burnett's study from 2000, metal bands are often found on national television, and bands with extreme metal roots are not shunned. Bands such as In Flames have been nominated for numerous Swedish Grammy Awards. Indeed, metal came close to being part of the Swedish establishment, in 2006, metal band Hammerfall recorded a video 
for the Swedish women's Olympic curling team. They did, yeah. That's the level of extent. Yeah. And when have you ever seen that in the UK mainstream, even though we, the UK have produced some of the finest metal and hard rock acts and, in the history And biggest world. selling metal yeah. acts. This so, is this is funny enough. This is a point that's just just occurred to me actually. So clearly, clearly, it's a it's a big thing. If you go back to ABBA and what they did for Sweden, like you say, the GDP, the the income that they they brought in, massive, big deal. When people, you know, when the average person across the world, if you say what do you think of when when I say Sweden, they'll they'll say either ABBA or IKEA. IKEA, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. it'll be those the first two, and there's probably other things, or you know, uh, possibly, meatballs. Um, 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 what's his name? Ivanovic. Oh, Ivanovic. Zlatan. Zlatan. Yeah. Rika <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. Um, Rika, 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 Rika. You know, big, big income earners, big, big, big deals for Sweden. And I think what you've got is because of that, you and combined with Sweden's general, general attitude anyway, is you've got a positive attitude towards contemporary young music of what it can do for society as a whole you know in britain despite all of these all of these artists all these great artists that we've produced across different musical genres we we're still a very snooty imperialist middle-class society that you know thinks it's far above such things and you know it don't matter whether you're talking about iron maiden or the beatles or, or whatnot there's still a lot of elements that's, that, that think that as being oh young weird oh stuff that we don't get involved with which is daft at this point because such a lot of that's very old but you know there isn't you know britain's very firmly divided between people who listen to contemporary music and people who think um that's you know absolutely disgraceful stuff whereas in sweden you don't have that um and if you're looking at the metal stuff you know these that look the aesthetic it's it's so rooted in in Scandinavian history, um, but ultimately you've got something that is like, yeah, this this is us. This is as much us as as anything else we do. So yeah, we're you know yeah we don't listen to this music, not not our thing, but we'll support it um, because because it's it's Swedish and and you know we want them to do well. Um, and I think yeah, it's it's a, it's that cocktail of, of different attitudes and, and whatnot that we don't seem to have in Britain. Um, unfortunately, it's 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 not a unified attitude, but it seems to be in Sweden. Which, um, when you think about it, is crazy because the UK has produced, you know, as much as I'm not a fan, it's produced the Beatles, you know, which obviously has then gone into. You know, we've produced Black Sabbath, we've produced Led Zeppelin, we've produced Iron Maiden, and it just goes on and on and on. Yet, Padre, like you said, some of that is still certainly the the more the more classic rock heavy metal bands that are looked down on by society because they are classic rock and heavy metal so so i've just noticed that ants walked back into his room wearing an arch enemy hoodie that must that must be 20 years old it must I've be got, yeah yeah I've had, I've had this for years and of course it still fits me um that, that takes me back to the underworld show when they were touring wages of sin oh god yeah yeah that's probably where i bought it actually yeah, I thought so. Um, Jesus, I think I had the same hoodie. But um, <laughs> um, all right. So all of that, all of that is massively relevant, and it, and it's it's important to sort of where Sweden went. Thing. So one last thing. Sorry, are you always you're like fucking Columbo, aren't you? There's always one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, 
I think as well what you've got to look at um, is traditionally up until about the 90s it was the one country in Europe that was producing the, ma- the vast majority of, of big metal bands was the UK but as you go into the 90s again going back to this idea of distribution but of course you've got to be able to tour now what helped these uh, Scandinavian bands or European bands tour EU freedom of movement once yeah. you bring down those barriers you know you might laugh I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to start I'm talking not, about Brexit, but <laughs> the, there, 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 there are benefits of this type of thing which seem to get overlooked sometimes and I'm not saying well, it's, it's been good for metal it's been good for the arts across Europe and if there's one thing that unites a lot of people it's the ability to go and see bands live of any any genre, any musical act. So I think you know that's something sometimes which can be overlooked. Anyway, no, I'll, 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 I'll agree with you on that. That's that's a fair point. That is a fair point. So, um, can when we... do I never not make a, a fair point? Oh, you you often don't make a fair point. Um, right, so, so let, let's move on to actually talking about the bands that make this music. So we've we've mentioned Bathory and. And the debut album in 84, but obviously none of us were around then. Well, we were around, but we were, you know, still shitting in nappies and stuff. So going into going into the I'm 90s. Four years. <laughs> <laughs> You're four years old. <laughs> yeah, I was still shitting in nappies when I was four years old. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, going into the 90s, um, this is what, and this is why I brought up Carcass and Heartwork in 93, because At The Gates then released... Um, Slaughter of the Soul in 95 which is probably the first sort of major Swedish death metal release and from then you've got like In Flames Gesturation was in 96 and obviously you know we know where In Flames went from there um, but before Slaughter of the Soul there was Entombed there was Left Hand Path Clandestine yeah. but then Wolverine Blues that took in tune from just being just another death metal band into something a little bit a little bit different there was that sort of rock and roll kind of feel to it and and i know you're a fan of wolverine blues so you know what was that wolverine blues and heartwork by carcass those two albums were i think were probably the precursor for where sweden went from there yeah absolutely i mean my introduction to Intune was a was a subsequent album to, um, to ride, shoot straight, and speak, and speak the, the truth. truth. Great album. That's a bloody mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, just after I got into metal, just in ninety six, ninety seven, that you know, I heard a couple of tracks on the Freebie uh, magazine stuff and dive straight in because it, it was not like nothing I'd heard before. And, you know, yeah, by that point I'd been listening to Maiden, Sepultura, Corn, uh, and whatnot. But you know, their their guitar sound was just dirty. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was dirtier than dirty. It was, it was just, yeah. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't describe it. But I just knew, yeah. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And of course, eventually came back to Wolverine Blues and then stuff like Left Hand Path and, and whatnot. And yeah, I, I remember actually. I probably, I think before before I'd even got into metal, uh, when I was getting back into comics, Marvel comics, a couple of years before then, sort of ninety four. Um, and you, you know, you get all sorts of adverts in, in American comics for, for things that you just don't even see in Britain, TV shows that never make it here or, or music. And I think certainly in 94, the Wolverine Blues was getting a lot of ad- adverts in Marvel because they were using Wolverine 
in the advertising. Yeah. Uh, um, now, again, at the time, I had no idea what it was, but it, I just knew that it looked quite cool and probably it should be something I sort of look into at some point, and I never did until I got into metal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Wolverine, Wolverine Blues is, you know, it's a bit shorter than the uh, the, the follow-up album, um, and I think it's probably. You know, it's probably probably all it needs. It, it doesn't need to be too long because that sound is just it's it's you know it, it's enough over, over half an hour, quite frankly. Uh, I think I don't think it's that long at all. Orvin Orvin Blues. No, but when you think when you think like Rain and Blood is only twenty nine yeah. minutes, it doesn't I think always need to be long. Blood is it? Spirit in that yeah. regards, but yeah, I mean if if you because they're Stockholm, are they? Into yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Stockholm. So um, you've got the Stockholm versus Gothenburg thing, but you know Stockholm never really had something as expansive as Gothenburg did, but the sound was completely different. You know, you've got that epic, melodic, yet harsh um, sound um, from Gothenburg, yet Entombed were just, you know, rock and roll filtered through very, very dirty metal stroke punk guitars and and, and, and whatnots. Yeah, I think they, they're as equal to each other in terms of importance. Yeah, I, th- I think they are. And I think in, Fl- uh, in Flames, in Tomb don't get, I mean, they get a lot of credit, to be fair, but I, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve for their influence on the rest of the scene. Certainly Wolverine Blues, because Left, Left Hand Path and Clandestine were very death metal albums, and then Wolverine Blues comes along, and it is this kind of dirty rock and roll with death metal riffing and. LG Petrov's vocals, God just, bless him. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, rest in peace. Just fit that kind of music so well. That just it, it all just worked, didn't it? It kind of fit. And yeah. yeah, you're right. To ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth. Same for me. I heard a uh, lights out from that album on a Kerrang CD, and I loved it straight away, and been a fan ever since. So, and that was. Jesus, I think that's what about 97, 1997, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was one of the first first albums i bought as a result of hearing something on on music journalism um you know sort of the magazine the newspaper whatever i think um before that point i'd always heard music through the charts or or videos or whatever and you know started uh reading kerrang and metal hammer um listening to three bcds and yeah that album was one of the first things i did i bought as a result of that kind of exposure. Yeah, those those three CDs were were so important back in the day, and and without wanting to sound like an old fart, you know, the, the kids these days are never going to get to appreciate that. Um, going forward from there, I mean, I didn't really pay with with terms of didn't pay much attention to the fact they're Swedish and what the rest of the Swedish scene does, but in the very late nineties, early two thousands, going to university and and as you know, we had some Swedes on our on our uni course and that and, and then being introduced to in flames in particular the jester race that's when it all changed hearing that I mean there's that sort of folk influence to it but let's just talk about in flames for a minute and and what they were and what they became um those early albums so jester race horacle colony clayman they were they're, they're some of my favorite albums of all time and they they grew on those albums that they still stuck to those roots. They are the perfect blend of, of brutal death metal, that carcass sound, but that that melody yeah. that no one else has has ever really come close to achieving. You know, it's um, I think it's it's bizarre. 
you've got I think you've got to um take into consideration when 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 these albums came out because we've mentioned before about the for the period of like 95 to about probably 2000 you had the rise of new metal the bands that had traditionally been the mainstays of the scene the scene either the thrash scene or hard rock guns and roses had split up metallica were there going through a bit of a ropey stage um slayer and megadeth weren't really producing anything that could come close to seasons in the abyss or all uh, rust in peace uh, other bands were experimenting because they were like running out of steam so they were trying to keep themselves going and this going back to some of the the, the stuff that i've read this week about this the swedish scene i think you could make the point that um if you look at the relationship between the bay area see the bay area um thrash movement in the 1980s that it was it's it was in stark contrast and sprung up in retaliation almost to the glam movement and those the most most kind of people that would perceive themselves as being hardcore metal fans bands like metallica slayer megadeth anthrax testament and a lot of those other bands they were seen as like the fundamentalists of metal they were like they were pure metal they were like the metal bands and in the 90s those bands start changing their sounds they start experimenting with stuff and those those fans and also some newer fans were like looking around for where's the next bunch of fundamentalists where's this where 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 are the the tropes that i recognize where are the themes that i recognize and they were coming from sweden the the melody the, the solos the 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 lyrical content the the aggressiveness of the music and the fact that it was also slightly extreme and i think when you've got things on the on the edge at a time like this they start moving more to the center and becoming more accepted so it's not just a small group of sweaty guys in a bar listening to morbid angel it's people selling it's in flames selling out the hammersmith odeon it's selling out arenas i mean what do you think about that i thought i thought that was quite an interesting take on it myself yeah i, I think that's a fair point and it's, it's it's the melody that's the big thing that we, we've had death metal and, and death metal has obviously evolved over the years and people like Chuck Schuldiner and death, they, they took death metal down a different path. But when you look at albums like Horrorcore by In Flames, some of the melodies in that album um, and some of the, the soloing, it's, it's pure classic metal. There's that big sort of new yeah. wave of British heavy metal kind of feel to it, but blending with death metal and, but the, the fact that there's so many bands that have managed to achieve that kind of blend. So let's, let's just reel them off. And Flames are an obvious one. And then you've got Soil Work. And then you've got Arch Enemy. And then you've got Dark Tranquility. Um, they're just some of them. Some of the, the music that those bands have produced in quite a short space of time, it, it just it, it's, it's head and shoulders above what was coming out of the States at the same time, what was coming out of the UK at the same time doesn't even come close. I mean, like we said before, the 90s from America was all about grunge and then new metal. We discover this from Sweden, and it's just like, fucking holy shit, what, what, what is this? This is nothing, like nothing I've ever heard before. Yeah, you definitely agree with every, everything you said. I, I think as well, you've got, I think you've got to look at what happens with where, when you talk about America and you talk about the UK, these these were um, 
to some extent, countries that were going through certain societal changes during this period. So I think, in, but you know, by the late nineties, we've we've got um, we've we've got we've got new Labour in Britain, and we've and we've got Bill Clinton in in America, and this idea of this this now the third way, and it's things like you've got an amalgamation of like kind of economic policy of what could be considered the right wing with the social democracy of the left wing. And you've got shifting class boundaries and you haven't got like these hotbeds of um, uh, class identity, which are producing music anymore to, to, to the extent that they were in the seventies and the early eighties. And also I think maybe like life in Britain in the, in the late nineties, we were we were we come out of a recession. We were, were were more comfortable. Maybe we had less to be pissed off about, and it was more optimistic. So people were more willing to throw their lot in behind bands like Oasis and Blur, rather than bands like Iron Maiden. Um, so uh, whereas you know, like Anthony said, if if you if you can classify Sweden as as a successful nation, a successful society, you said that they're the seventh most happiest population on earth. Well, there's that adage, isn't it, that happy countries like dark, aggressive, brooding music. Yeah. Whereas countries that are basically clinically depressed want the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 a fair point. Um, it's um, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about before, in certainly in the '90s, that's when. Heavy metal, from a commercial point of view, was largely sort of derided by, by, by modern culture, by society. So that's probably why the UK and and um, and the US new metal appealed to the sort of disenfranchised youth, didn't it? That's probably it was it was simple. It was you know the, you like your Papa Roaches and that. It was all about their fucked up teenage years and all that kind of thing. And 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 the the youth could relate to that. I want that band put on the veto list. Okay. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear them ever again, unless unless we do a, a, a until we do an episode on new metal. I, I, and I, by the way, I, once we get through this, I'd like to just quickly address uh, what is on the veto list now. Um, Dream Theater. <laughs> That's about it. But you, well, you oh, said them, not me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew Where, you. You. you, pa- you in the jar. Come on. You slippery motherfucker. I. <laughs> five episodes in and every fucking week that band have been mentioned so that's it no more I'll put the pound in the jar and we'll leave it there he, he made us suggestions about how to get him to mention that band and um, you know and what well, you know um, get him to put a pound in the jar and hopefully we can uh, maybe I don't know buy a few javelins for the Ukrainians to lob at some Russian tanks <laughs> <laughs> That's how many pounds he's going to be putting in the jar. Um, okay, this is this is funding next year. Next year's holiday. There you go. Okay, so we've we've got that band. Okay, um, apparently going back to the first episode, I can't mention Greg's. No, you can't mention uh, Greg's. Okay, so I'll put a pound in the jar. I'm, I'm, I may ban I may ban you from talking politics, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> well, well, I'm doing you quite well. I've got to bring it up myself. So uh, yeah. I might back. Like, 
not letting me talk about politics is like taking Picasso's art brushes away. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm going to remove back to the conversation, actually. Something, just, something that's just occurred to me about, about a lot of these bands in, in the late 90s. And, you know, by all means, tell me that I'm wrong and talking bollocks, because uh, I probably am. For all of it, for all that's great about them and how ag- aggressive they are as metal requires you to be, I don't, I don't get the same kind of anger from them as I do a lot of other metal bands uh, and from other metal scenes. Um, and I wonder if that comes back to their state of a nation, you know, their state state of mind. Is is what separates Swedish metal that? They, they they can do all of the sort of classic metal metal bits, but they can do it without being angry because they're not an angry people. Well, it's an aggressive sound, but not uh, not an aggressive it's... content. Yeah, they're, they're they're creating aggressive art and they're doing it bloody well, but they're 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 not. They're not you can make the argument that it's like it's it's art for art's sake. Like, yeah. oh, if this fails, we'll pay back the government and go and work in Ikea and we'll still have a good standard <laughs> of living. It's not like, you know, oh, if this fails, we're, that's it. Like, we've got to go and work the graveyard shift at Burger King and we'll never make, we'll, we'll die alone and penniless. You know, like, you know, they'll, they'll probably like, oh, well, if the gesture race tanks, we'll still have a nice job at Ikea and we'll have a six foot two leggy Ron girlfriend with, with, you know, with some amazing kids. Like, it, it's like, it's almost as if, they didn't have any really. They didn't have anything to lose, so they could like be like, okay, let, let's let's make this melody fantastic, and if it's going to take us six weeks to write it, it doesn't matter because the government's picking up the tap, um, which I'm all for, by the way. But I'm also all for. I'm all. I'm really in favour of six foot two leggy blonde Swedish girlfriends. So we we were putting through quite well, but now we're probably going to get complaints from Swedes. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, from, yeah, from um, yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> let's quickly touch on because obviously a lot of what we've been talking about is this, is the whole Gothenburg sound and and Swedish melodic death metal and all that kind of thing. But let's not forget that Sweden has also produced some amazing bands that don't fit that that sort of subgenre in itself. Really, bands like Opeth, Hammerfall, um, Candlemass, who have been around for fucking donkey's years, Catatonia. Oh, I haven't heard that band in ages. Yeah, Hypocrisy, as we said, Dismember, Therion, who are just ridiculous. Oh, and uh, Peter Tangent's other band, um, Pain. Pain, another one. Pain. Dream Evil. Um, oh, one of my enough. one of my one of my all time favorite albums is uh, is is an album called Prey on Life by Burst, who oh, yeah. were kind of like. Um, a bit hardcorey. There was a bit of prog thrown in there. There, there was all sorts of things, and that was quite groundbreaking. Oh, I, think, I think you are can. We, are we sorry? Are we forgetting? I, I don't. I can't even remember if he's Swedish or not. Ingve, Ingve Mamstein. Ingve, yeah, Ingve, yeah. I think, I think you've you just unleashed that. a fucking fury. <laughs> <laughs> you can throw in uh, bands like. Um... Backyard babies and helicopters in there as well. I was gonna, I was gonna touch on that the yeah. sort of Swedish like sort of rock and roll kind of thing. Yeah, like I said, back about helicopters. Hardcore superstar were another one. Um, yeah, I, I I love backyard babies. I love what they do. It was sort of living the the Guns and Roses dream kind of thing. I I ended up for some reason. I think I I signed up to get like a free cassette from them um, through Kerrang or whatever. I ended up I ended up on their mailing list getting some freebies off them, which was great. And as a result of that, I ended up going to see them for free 
at the Water Rats in King's Cross. Oh, that venue. Uh, Christmas 98. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was, I was literally at the front because I just got there early and had a couple of beers and they were supported by the Yo-Yos, uh, Danny McCormack's... Uh, Danny McCormack, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was like right up front, you know, face-to-face with um, uh, the singer and Dragon and whatnot. Met, met, met Ginger Wildheart, chatted to him, Ray Zell, the Korean journalist. That was a great night. And... Yeah. Oh, I've got I've got a lot of time for backyard babies. They they were they were a damn good band, and 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 this is exactly what we're talking about. That it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, this is going across different kinds of heavy metal subgenres, but also hard rock and whatever. All these bands that that Sweden has produced, it's mad when you think about it. You I am. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a funny joke because obviously, as, as we know, I'm I, I'm not a not strictly a metal fan. I you know listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, Pop and electronic and synth and whatnot. Um, and there's there's various artists outside of my metal collection who who are Swedish. Um, I, I thought there, there always seemed to be loads, uh, but not as many. But I think it's a it seems to be that the bands I've always infused about, um, but friends don't know about, always tend to be Swedish. It became a bit of a running joke with a friend where he was asking me what I was listening to now or in the earphones, and I. You know, set a band or a group or artist that he'd never heard of, and he said, "Oh, are they Swedish?" He's like, "Yes, usually most of the time." Um, it's you know, just so a gold, it's just a gold mine of great music. Yeah. Our artists like um, Robin, First Aid Kit, The Sounds, uh, Little Lee. Yeah, it's it's just they they oh the knife. Yeah, it's just well any anything that I like that's Swedish is just absolutely brilliant you know outside of metal i remember when i when i was younger back in our student days back in the days of owning cds i had a swedish section it wasn't alphabetical this is like going back to high fidelity i didn't have anything alphabetical i had a thrash section i had a new every british heavy metal section and then i had a swedish section so <laughs> that just shows the influence that that sweden has had on on us as metal fans um Let's talk about the future a little bit because. One second, I think you've missed out someone really important from your list of Swedish bands. Europe. Roxette. Ace, Ace of Base. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god. <laughs> That's all. Oh, she wants is another baby. <laughs> you, you heard? Did you hear about the? Uh, well, the it's, it's all very well. It? It's all very well saying that. I mean, really, if you think about it, a Swedish band saying all that she wants is another baby. Well, when you've got that kind of level of social welfare, you can have as many kids as you want. You know, like the child benefit alone is going to keep you in Ferraris. I think we're all concerned about the allegations of Nazism with that band. Really? Yeah. Apparently, the singer had a dodgy youth. Um, well, she's blonde hair and blue eyes, wasn't she? So, oh, no, not the singer, not, 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 not her. The uh, one of oh, the okay. Oh, okay. Uh, but apparently, he was allegedly involved in uh, certain far right uh, activities, which uh, he, he regrets now, but. Oh, I'm sure he does, yeah. I stumbled across an article which basically examined the lyrics to All That She Wants and the site. Oh, God. So, it like, sorry. It's why they're still Nazis. And it, it, was, it was quite ridiculous. But then you think, oh, I don't know. A pitch shifter, Sweden. Pitch No, pitch shifter from Nottingham. Yeah, yeah, Nottingham. Ship pifter. Ship pifter, yeah. I was going to say, I'm just looking at uh, um, uh, ranker.com. But based on the amount of effort they've put into this list, it should be called wanker.com. <laughs> <laughs> Complete wank. 
I mean, like it says here that Mill and Colin are Swedish. They are yeah. Swedish. They are. They are. They are Swedish. They are yeah. Swedish. Yeah. Yeah, pitch shifter are most definitely not Swedish. <laughs> what would you do if they were? They they were they would probably be better if they were Swedish, but yeah. a pitch a pitch shift. What 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 did pitch shifter do? What was noise? Uh, Microwave. Yeah. Wissy Wissy Wig. Triad. Did they, they did they do that stupid song Tequila? No, that's Terrorvision. 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 Oh no, you're right. You're right. No, not yeah. It's just a from Mottingham. I I don't I understand if you've got like Terrorvision mixed up with Little Angels or something, but getting Terrorvision mixed up with Pit Shifter, I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's, look, I mean, come on. I mean, look, you, you look, listen, 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 an inherent double standard here. Right? You were asleep so, for most of the festivals until Metallica you, were on. Sorry? You were asleep for most of the festivals until Metallica were on. <laughs> That's well, so true. A, so true. Yeah, why? I was in a massive come down. <laughs> okay? So if, if you had done that many drugs that night as I had, you'd be a bit tired afterwards, okay? Or you'd I mean, be sat was... outside my tent eating toothpaste like your new found friend was at Reading in 2003. Oh, no, no, that, was the, that was the guy that was on acid, yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, oh, I've, I've already had one seizure this this festival, I'm planning another. I'm like, Dude, you, want it, you might want to just slow down on the MDMA and the, the shrooms, because I, you know, I think, not not to judge, but that, maybe... That, that, just... that was Reading 03. Yeah. I think yeah, it was, was, two, yeah, it was yeah. 2003, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah, just uh, just uh, did Pitch Shifter play that festival? Oh, we played every festival, so probably we we did. I remember, I, I remember seeing Pitch Shifter at Reading a couple of times. Yeah, to be honest, but I, they, I remember, even then they weren't uh, Swedish. Uh, yeah, well, they they probably I don't know claimed uh, asylum in Sweden or something because they're not wanted in the UK anymore, I don't know. It wouldn't have been accepted. Yeah, up America. Tried to break America and failed miserably. Um, uh, look, fuck, forget about Pitch Shifter a minute. Let's, let's get back on topic. Um, uh, I just quickly want to touch on the future of, of sort of Swedish heavy metal because, you know, even now... I won't talk about Inflames because what Inflames produce now is quite frankly dog shit. But there's 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 plenty of of good metal coming out of Sweden now. So bands like I, I, I think you should you need to substantiate that. Okay. All right. Okay. Why right, right, the right. stuff they're making bad? All right. So that's that's an opinion, granted. Right. Because I was a massive massive fan of Inflames in the nineties because I loved that whole blend of death metal and the melody and everything like that. It, it kind of appealed to me and what I was into at the time. They got to Cloud, uh, what's the album called? Um, Reroute to Remain. And yeah. They, they kind of, they, they, moved, they moved on, they moved on from Clayman to Reroute to Remain. And for me, that was about as far as it should have gone. But from there, and then in 2006, they released Come Clarity. And they took away all the, well, basically all the melody. And it's just, it just became a little bit, one-dimensional it was just riffing and anders frieden's vocals went to shit he started it screaming was, it was angsty, wasn't it yeah yeah that's exactly it. it was more angsty and but all the 
all that sort of songwriting prowess that was there in the 90s had just disappeared. I I couldn't even tell you what they've released since because everything that I've ever heard has just made me sad. Not even angry, it's just made me sad. This band that produced some of my favourite albums to the shit they're producing now, you know, the core of the band have left and moved on and formed the Halo Effect with Mikkel Stanner from Dark Tranquility, which I'm loving, the three songs they've dropped. But what Inflames do now is just dreadful, quite frankly. I, I listened I listened to I, The Mask by Inflames. Yeah which was their last album, 2019. Um, and I, I think I listened to, because I, I mean, I I love the Jester Ace. I love Horacle. Um, K-Man, Colony, it's all good stuff. Um, my my favourite is still the Jester Ace because it's, it's the first one I heard. Like, there's a song on there called December Flower, which I absolutely yeah, love. And I absolutely think the instrumental on um, the Jester Ace, the Jester's Dance is just fantastic. Uh, the guitar playing on that is phenomenal, but I, I was I so I played I played this new um, In Flames album. Now, my wife does not listen to metal. Uh, she death metal anyway. She 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 has an uh, uh, an appreciation for stuff like Maiden um, and Metallica. She might not listen to stuff like that, but she she's like I can see why you like it. I can see why other people would like it, and she would certainly go to a concert with me to see them because. You know, it's all about the spectacle as, as well as anything else. But she used to say, she says to me, she goes, the, 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 it's the lyrics, the, the vocal style is what puts her off. She, she goes, I like that melody. And then she hears the lyrics. Anyway, I played this in Flames and the song, um, there's the, the song Voices and actually the song I, The Mask. It's clean singing. And she was like, why can't they sing like that all the time? That would be, make them more accessible. I mean, like, what do you think about that? See, I, that's, I, that's, that's, that's a good point, because we, we, we're now talking and conversations that we've had previously to stick into your formula versus commercial success, because there is no doubt that since In Flames have gone away from that sound in the 90s, they have had more commercial success. No doubt about that. But they have left their roots behind to achieve commercial success. And that's fine if the music's still good. But what they produce now and what they've produced in the last 15 years isn't a patch on what they produced in the 90s. And I know that's my opinion, but musically, it just isn't as good. The, the, the hooks aren't there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's one thing now, to try and gain commercial it's success. It's a case of like, you know, um, the, the, it, so they get, they get the government artistic grants, right, to go away and make, make this music, which you say they have to pay back, right? So then after like four or five albums, the government shows up and goes, right, you've made your substantive contribution to the metal scene. Now go and make us some fucking money. We're going to assign a government, a federal agent or a government official, a tax auditor to your band. He's going to be on the payroll and he's going to tell you when something's not mainstream. <laughs> but in, in no, flame... No, go back, rewrite that part. In Flames were making enough money from the Jester Race onwards to be a full-time professional band. Right, okay. I, I don't doubt that for which, a Which, which in, a, in a lot of cases, doesn't happen. So, you know, they were making enough money to to live and to get by and to tour and record, tour and record. But it's only 
after come clarity and almost from there that they they probably actually started making a good living whereas now they've just recently toured the uk playing grubby little clubs places like the scala in london and the concord in brighton to like seven eight hundred people so was it worth it probably not if they if they were to do a tour you know members who knows if they were to do a tour that says it's it's those four albums jester race horacle colony and clay man that's the tour yeah, but in, in, in their own words, in their own words, they won't do that because they play for themselves. Because they said to us when we interviewed them for MetalPigeon.com, and I think uh, Tregenza actually asked them directly, "Why don't you play certain this this stuff anymore?" And their quote was, "We play for ourselves," and like that irritates me from bands because like we were talking about Maiden, and I made the point of maybe the set lists aren't expansive enough, and you made the point actually no it, you want that kind of greatest hit set because that's what's going to bring in new fans so yeah i i want to see stuff from the jester's race and horacle i don't want to see this new crap okay like the fact that that album was in 96 and in 2001 and 2002 or three i was listening to it is it, what more evidence do you want that it was at least there was something to it i broke my rule of not listening to anything past 91 for that band do you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They spat on me. The big thing is, the big thing is, is that those those albums are memorable, and the songs on the albums from two thousand and six onwards are not. You know, it, it just they become albums, and there's nothing that stands out. There's nothing that interests you. You talk about songs like December Flower, and things like um, Jotun on Horacle and. Songs that they're they're oh, memorable the songs. The hive, the, hive, the solo, solo, the fucking solo in the hive is unreal. It really is. It's it's about as good as heavy metal gets. Whereas now I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a song title from recent albums. I couldn't even recognise a song, and that for me is the difference. They've gone from producing great albums with great songs to just forgettable nonsense it's almost like they've gone down a new metal route yeah man made god great song uh food for the gods growl what a song is that of horror absolute tune i mean the first time the first time the first time i saw in flames live was when they toured reroute to remain and they you know that was i'm glad i got to see them then because after that every time i saw them they just continually let me down the song that did it for me was we went to see not 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 us. I went to see, um, oh dear God, who was it? Two thousand in Cardiff. Slipknot were the like it, Slipknot were not were not the main band. It was uh, it was sick of it all played. In flames opened. Slipknot were on after uh, Slayer. Sorry, Slayer Slipknot. In flames, sick of it all, in Cardiff Arena, and. Um, one of my friends was like, they're playing, you need to come and see this band. This is like 2001. Yeah. And um, they opened with Bullet Ride. And I was like, right, I need I need to um, I need to know more about this band. Because like, seeing that song perform live for the first time, I was like, that is fantastic. Um, yeah, I need, to, um, I need to, I need to know more about this band. Uh, and I, I mean, and Bullet Ride, just what a riff. Yeah. It's an amazing song. The way it builds... And you know the, the the structure of the song, the the 
um, the vocals, the vocal line, the way it goes with the guitars. You know, it's not it's not over it's not over the top. It's just it's 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 a great song. How do you go from that to the stuff they were? Because they were packing them in. They they were playing big concerts. They were playing big festivals. They you know they were getting exposure on MTV too. And you you had the apparatus back in Sweden behind them. Is it is was it ego? I don't I don't know. Maybe I mean it 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 st- stands to reason that. It's really only Anders Friedman that's left in the band, uh, and Bjorn Jalot, the rest have left. Um, I know, like Jesper from Flames had sort of alcohol issues and stuff like that, and that was the reason he left. But the rest of them, they've kind of moved on, and the fact that they're in this band now, the Halo Effect, and the sound they're producing is very much that mid '90s Gothenburg sound. That's obviously what those guys want to play. I, I think they've they, they, they've sort of brought brought it into the modern times. It's melodic, it's catchy, but it's also pretty heavy and it's it's, it's fairly extreme, I suppose. So you know why not? But uh, let, let's In Flames are one of those bands that that polarise a lot of people. There's obviously people that have got into them since Clayman and those of us that were in that were fans before. Clayman was probably their peak because. That album, although it's not my favourite, it probably got the blend of their early days and what they've become now. That was that was the the, the the right blend. It was melodic, it was catchy, the vocals were right, the lyrics were right, the riffs were there, the hooks were there. That's when they peaked. And after that it just it just went downhill, unfortunately. So But there is a future with Swedish metal, so there's a few bands around now that are going to hopefully take it to the next level. Halo Effect are obviously one of them. We'll see what they do. Lowest Creature, which Padre, I know you've you've sort of that developed a liking awesome. for, because that is an awesome band. Yeah, like that, like, I have, I have, I so from about three weeks now, I've had that. Um, like Reaper's Fall is a fantastic, fantastic song. Sacrilegious Pain. The last thirty seconds of that song, uh, it, it, I, I've, I'll say it again, it is the best riff I've heard in the last fifteen years, and you know, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can honestly Sabbath say Park. I haven't heard a thrash album with that many great riffs in in many many years. Oh dear God, yeah, 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 and it's like as well. What I like about it is that I like the guitar tone. It's got a really good mid-range yeah. like, crunch to it. it. Reminds me of, I mean, it's there are thrashy bits to it, but like for example, like, one of my favourite riffs is the outro riff section of uh, "Seek and Destroy," um, and you've got that twin guitar attack and that crunchy uh, mid-range riff uh, tone. And you hear it again here. It, it doesn't like see this. Is, thrash doesn't have to be three hundred beats per minute. And when sometimes when these bands slow it down and they chug away and they've just got a very uh, like um, staccato riff. And like some of this stuff that they've come up with, uh, Sacrilegious Pain, sorry, a lowest creature. Uh, it's I'm like so I, like, I, there was one I think a couple of days ago. One of the songs that for some reason hadn't popped up on my. Spotify account, and I kind of stopped and was just like, "Dear God, that's good." 
I kind of like swore and someone like looked looked at me like, what's he going on about? Um, you know, because I was walking back to work. I said, you know, like that, that I think is a testament to how good they are, that yeah. someone is stuck in their ways as me <laughs> is now <laughs> listening to it on their phone on the way to work. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, like, and I, I was reading earlier about, like, you know, sa- you, you mentioned Sabaton. Um, about them being like, almost like pop metal. Yeah. But, you know, they, they've got merits. Yeah, no, they have. and, and they, But they, they've got that melody that we were talking about earlier. They've, they've got that in, in abundance. And have you listened to Lois Cult, uh, Lois Creature? I haven't, but I'm going to have to now. You are absolutely going to have to. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, definitely up your street. Um, Orbit Culture are another one that I really like. Um, they've kind of got a bit more of a, a sort of traditional Swedish Gothenburg kind of sound, but, but bringing it bringing it into sort of like the 21st century. Um, Enforcer, who are a bit more influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, anyone who's into that needs to go and have a listen because they're really fucking good at what they do. Uh, the halo effect we talk about. So on top of that, let's just quickly talk about Ghost because obviously they're yeah. Swedish and we talk about things we talk about stuff like ABBA and we talk about Europe and then Ghost come along and what Ghost do now they epitomise that whole rock band with the huge melodies and the big choruses and everything like that they they take all of that history from Sweden and they make it this big pompous I I I don't even know what to call it kind of thing so are they the band that are going to carry Sweden forward in terms of commercial success? Possibly, it could. My fear with them is that they've they've already peaked uh, with prequel. Um, Musically, yes, I think you might be right, but do, would that would that stop them being commercially successful going forward? I I can certainly see them being successful for many years and actually easing up on the theatrics, which would be sad to see. Um, but I, I, I could almost see to say, see them realise that if they want to step up another gear and become like massively huge, they got ditched for makeup like Kiss did, which didn't really work. I think, I, I'm glad. So I'm glad you mentioned Kiss <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's a there's a there's a parallel there. Um, bands like Ghost, and I don't know that much about them to be honest. This is so. This is this might be a very superficial view, but what I see and what I hear, like students that I've taught in various countries, the prevalent form of music that seems to have traction at the minute, um, or, or easily for the last four or five years, is anything to do with EDM. It's trap music. It's grime music. It seems to be. I think at some point, rock or hard rock and metal missed the beat and hip-hop and its derivatives have taken over being like kind of representative of what i think there's a there's there's a really interesting art interview between um uh, gene simmons and what's the name of the 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 the, the singer he, he did that song liar he's also a stand-up comedian henry rollins Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins interviews Gene Simmons. It's on YouTube. It, it, this is going a while back. And Gene Simmons makes the point that when 
grunge came in and afterwards and rock stars were trying to be like downplay themselves and be humble rather than be like here's my 50 million dollar mansion and here's my sack of cocaine and like you know like van halen they kind of lost it's like watching god bleed you, you no longer have faith in it once they stop being like larger than life decadent you know kind of uh epicurean in their like pursuit of like all things pleasures of the flesh and everything People, a lot of people, it kind of lost its appeal because there's nothing to aspire to. Whereas hip hop, with the bling and the 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 the, the, the grandiosity of it, and the the the, the lifestyle, the, the sipping cristal in the VIP lounge at the club, that's what people want. They don't want to be miserable singing about um, why their hair is greasy and why they can't get the girl. You know, um, maybe a ghost. The, the, the makeup's only going to get you so far because you're not singing about anything that people really connect to. You're, 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 you know, you've got a good performance, you've got a good stage show, you're good musicians. How far is that going to take you into the mainstream, though? I think the, the songs are, are, are what will carry them into the mainstream. But are people going to be able to connect with what they're, like, really identify with them? Because, like, isn't, like, you know... It, it, you obviously... You, when you talk about the fact that you know you, you liked in flames what were you identifying with that was it just the music or was there anything else yeah it was just the music because at that point i was getting into heavier music i was getting into you know i was getting into hardcore as well as death metal and stuff like that but i was already massively into maiden and priest and things like that so in flames had that the blend of the two and that's that was the appeal so i couldn't give two shits about their personal lives or where they were from or or anything like that. I didn't need to, I didn't need I didn't need to relate to them. It was it was purely about the music. But a lot of people do though, that's the thing. That is true. That is true. I mean that and that doesn't make you better than anyone. And I'd be the last person to ever say that. <laughs> 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 but um But yeah you're right, when it comes to ghosts, yeah you're hundred percent right. If they can't but then saying that Tobias Forge, the frontman from Ghost, whenever he does interviews and things like that, there's no face paint, there's no facade. He is who he is. It's the it's the rest of the band that are the the nameless ghouls, as they call them. They yeah, they have no identity. Yeah, they they've got more in common with Slipknot in that regard, haven't yeah. they? Because, yeah. Um, you know, it's almost you know, it's this this is part of our performance with actually normal people. Outside of what and that's exactly here. it. It's it's a performance. Yeah. It's a stage show. It's not about who they are in person. You know the, the the nameless ghouls as they are. If you walk past them in the street, you would never know. But it works. Mm. So, has there any ever been anything like that from Sweden or even Scandinavia? I I, I can't really think of any artists who have taken that sort of approach and done well. Um, not that I know of. No. No. No, that's that's the thing. I mean, I also I also think there's a sort of direct link between them and Europe, um, in terms of that sort of accessible big rock. Um, yeah, absolutely, massively. Nature, it's, you know, there is there's a clear clear link there. Um, songs no, like, songs like so, dance songs like dance macabre and stuff like that. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've got Europe I, all over them. I mean, I was thinking earlier. I mean, I, I, in all honesty, we talk about all this stuff in the '90s, but. For people of our generation, the final countdown was probably was the introduction to Swedish metal. Um, 
I mean, I can't, I can't even think of any, any sort of stuff in the charts. You know, I, when I was a kid, I listened to the charts a lot as a very little boy. Um, you know, 1986, I was six years old. I've been listening to charts music and watching Top of the Pops for, for a couple of years by that point. I cannot think of anything, you know, in those, in those two years before the final countdown that sticks out as distinctly heavy metal or metal that I saw or listened to at the time. I think that, that was it. I think, I think, uh, Aussie's shot of the dark shot came the slightly after, yeah. yeah, and obviously Maiden, yeah, Can I Play With Madness was 88. I, I honestly do think, yeah, Europe's final countdown was my introduction to metal and probably, you know, the same for a lot of people our age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. And it was, it was probably the catalyst for everything that we've talked about in the last hour or so. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, and no matter how, how that song may be derided, even when, you know, Joey Traganza, Joey Traganza, Joey Tempest. <laughs> I fucking wish. When Joey, when Joey Tempest took it to the rest of the band, and they, uh, they, they all, they all thought it was ridiculous. Yeah, look what happened. You, um, I mean, Arch Enemy covered Europe for Christ's sake. Yep. There's nothing. I mean, yeah, those those first couple of albums are a bit rustic, definitely. But um. So so yeah. what so what what we're saying then on that uh, on that bombshell that without the final countdown we wouldn't be standing here talking about In Flames or Arch Enemy or or any of those bands. That's basically what we're saying, isn't it? I, I think it would look very very different. Yeah, I think I it mean, would. It's it's okay. Yeah, you had you had the Norwegian stuff, uh, the Florida stuff as as well happening. So maybe maybe something would have happened, but no, I mean. You know that that success of Europe, um, everything we've discussed. No, I think that's absolutely relevant to uh, those bands developing in the nineties. Uh, I think it would have been extremely different without the final countdown. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so yeah, that that kind of says it all, really. Um, Padre, have you got anything that you want to add before we wrap it up? No, not really. I mean, I think. I, I don't. I mean, I I would be interested to know what you thought, think about. Like, do you reckon? Do you think there's something about Scandinavia that with the with the the, the culture, the the Nordic culture, the heritage, the whole image of um, Vikings and things like that, and the almost like the the, the landscape as well, somehow lends itself to kind of an authentic representation of metal. I think it because does. We, I think it does yeah. in 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 modern times. It may not have done twenty five years ago, but I think now it probably does. With the 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 emergence of things like Viking metal, as it was in, in quotes, um, mm. over the last kind of fifteen years, it it took that that Norse mythology and that to another level. Bands like Amonomath, bands like Tyrizus, you know, yeah, maybe they have, but that's. That's also Finland and Norway. So I think we'll we'll do episodes in the future on Finland and we'll do one on Norway because obviously Norway's got the whole black metal scene, which is a conversation in itself. So yeah. we'll, we'll come back to that. As well, because Finland I mean, and Sweden don't really like each other very much, apparently. No, no. But no. we can't Obviously. argue the fact that Sweden, Finland and Norway have all produced some unreal music but in very different ways so you know we'll 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 touch on the other two countries i mean like i mean i i heard i was talking to um uh, a guy called um 
uh, Albert from uh, Manila-based death metal band Fasago. Shout out to Fasago. Talking to him on Facebook the other day. Listen to some of his stuff on Bandcamp. Um, and that's very that, that's there, there's almost a, a, a Tampa influence on that kind of music. And um, I mean that I mean that's a, that that's again I mean it's like that kind of extreme metal is. Um, do you think it's it, extreme metal? It gets localized. It's almost like a it's a it's a Russian doll. That you've got like the global scene, and then you've got the regional scene, and then you have the kind of the more the local scene. So you've got from you've got northern European metal, and then you've got this Gothenburg sound, and the Gothenburg sound lent credibility to any band coming from that area that they were more likely to get. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You said it yourself. The the the, the Tampa death metal scene, uh, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse. Later, yeah. six feet under, uh, day aside, like day yeah, all of that. It's um, it's yeah, uh, and even later years going up into the the sort of northeast of America in Boston with the metalcore with Killswitch Engage with Shadows Fall, all those bands, it's the same kind of thing. So yeah, it, it all gets localized, but yeah. Go- Gothenburg is probably the biggest of them all. I think it's certainly, as a, as a metal fan. Gothenburg has the biggest has the biggest influence so yeah. and and, that, and that's what that's where we are with this whole conversation you know it, it's 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 a combination of of Europe the final countdown which was obviously massive in 1986 and is still massive now to be fair um and what came out of Gothenburg that, I'm gonna make my it. final contribution by saying is don't do what I did about three three years ago just before COVID and go to Sweden um, for midsummer, because you thought it would be a laugh, and you'd also get to see a few of the great bands. But you don't you know, get to sleep. And Gothenburg, and pretty much everything is shut because it's midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like yeah. twenty-two hours of daylight. And I, I, I was stuck with some very dodgy bands in the pubs that were open. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, there you go. That's that's Sweden. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, I think, you know, any, anybody that's listening to a, to a metal podcast is, is going to have an appreciation for what Sweden has, has given us. And, and um, if you don't have an appreciation for what Sweden has given us, our playlist is up for this week uh, in the Abyss playlist, week five. And it's got, you know, all the, the, the sort of best that Sweden has got to offer. Um, take a listen to that and then kind of go from there if, if you like what you hear. Um, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what with, but thank you for listening. Um, yeah. See you next week. Cheers. Thank you very much. Remember, email us if you want to come on and talk about metal and we'll happily, you know, listen to your stories and remember, I'm always here to absolve sins. Come to me, my children. Let me ease your pain. Let me ease your suffering. And I think as well, what we need to do is just finish today with, you know, the Lord's Prayer from Padre, the Holy Man. So, you know, our Father, who art in heaven, Ronnie James D.O.B. is known. You know? Um, <laughs> I can't remember the rest of it. Though. You can't remember the rest. You've got, you've I, gone that far. You've gone to the effort of starting that and you can't fucking yeah. finish it. Oh, uh, you know, I'm I, I, I just, I, 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 I pose as Holy Man. It's all about yeah. the kids, really. I'm going to end this, I'm going to end this episode by saying Tug.
Ronnie James Dio is turning in his fucking grave. He is. He is. I'll have to, have to edit that out later. No, I'm not editing that out. Good night, everybody. Thank you very much. I'm still going to sue you for this. Liable. This is entrapment. Cunt.